Hey guys, this is Jeff Benning. Absolute pleasure to be here on the Punch Podcast. Hi, I'm Sky Nicholson. Hey, I'm Nikita Zoo. Hey, this is Eddie Hearn. G'day, this is Jason Maloney. I'm Phil. This is Shotgun Tatton O'Connell. On the Punch Podcast. Yeah, bring it on. Episode 28 starts for you now with Jabe and the Punch. Podcast is here. And all of those guys and girls that you heard in the opener there, full chat available right wherever you're listening to this. So just have a scroll back, whether it's Apple, Spotify, however else you get your podcasts, you will see those chats there and some really, really good ones. And one I'm looking forward to getting to you today is this man, Dennis Hogan. Now, he is lining up for a world title fight October 8th. This is the Super Saturday Boxing Festival with No Limit Boxing up in Newcastle or down to Ben where you listen to the podcast because it's going to be a... Uh, a day, let me tell you. There's not only boxing, but there is beer tents outside. There's music. There's people just going mad. This is 20 fights over 10 hours. So, look, the crew and back people alone is enough to fill this building. So make sure you get your tickets. All the info for this is at nolimitboxing.com.au. I'm talking Nikita Zoo, Sam Goodman, Paul Awakuso, uh, Dara Foley's going to be there as well, plus a whole stack more. The full list, the full card is there at No Limits website, so go check that out. But I'm excited to get this guy on today. Dennis Hogan, now 30 wins, four losses, seven wins, by the way, a knockout, a big career, multiple world title fights. Now we are, like I said, at this Super Saturday, facing another world title shot for him. One that he predicts could be his last fight, should he not come up with the win. So a, a big one for him, we'll get to that. He's faced the likes of Jaime Munguia, Jamal Charlo. We'll talk to him about all that. It's going to be a really, really good episode, so enjoy. But let's just get him on. Dennis Hogan is here. Welcome to the Punch Podcast for the first time. Oh, hey, mate. Thank you very much for having me on. This is good. My first Irishman too, by the way. Well, Irish Aussie, but still. Yeah, yeah, Irish and Aussie, 100%. <laughs> I think we can call you that. How long have you been in the country for now? Oh, I, I moved out 2011. Um, I had fought here in 2008 on a, on, an, on an Irish amateur team. And um, I met a promoter here in Brisbane who said, if you want to have a few pro fights or whatever, come on back out. I had originally intended to go to America. I said I, I'd start out here with a few fights and make, make my way around to maybe Boston or somewhere where there's plenty of Irish too. But when I got here and had a couple of pro fights in 2011, I just grew roots here and loved it and I'm here ever since. It's actually been good to see your career and profile grow in this country over the last couple of years and obviously having those world title shots come in Newcastle where you are one of the main events. Yeah, look, I, I mean, obviously uh, I've had world titles before. 2019 had two world title fights and then, um, you know, my career was on a, on a solid uh, escalation till, that, till then. But then, you know, uh, the pandemic kicked in and, you know, sponsors kind of fell off a little bit with everything happening. And I didn't have a fight for 18 months. Um, then I came back with a fight against him, which was, uh, which was a, a, obviously a loss. And at that point, I had to say, you know, okay, I'm not getting any younger here. So um, is that the best I've got? And I said, well, it's not. I do know I can prepare better and I can do things better. So, well, I'll give it one more shot, but if I lose, I'm out. And um, so I just got on, got back on the horse and had my fights and, and this opportunity presented itself in the last one for title eliminator. Now here we are for a title and uh, lucky enough to be able to get the champion here. So it's a funny thing, um, because I'm always was always always trying to get the world championships. Once I finally just said, okay, now I'm just going to focus on being the best me and coming to the ring at my best. 
the opportunity has presented itself again. It's like it's meant to be or something. Yeah, it's like you said, not your first crack at it. So you know how to prepare for one. Now, we are talking about your bout with uh, Sam Eggington. He is a UK fighter, 32-7. and seven. He holds the IBO super welterweight title. You've had a crack at middleweight titles as well. So you, you're back at your weight that you like and one that you feel comfortable yeah. in. And like you said, you were happy to get the champ here. You couldn't believe it. How do you think that happened? Because to me, that's a UK fight every day of the week. Yeah, well, exactly. Yeah, I know a lot of people over in Ireland and everything else, and they were they were looking forward to seeing it on Sky Sports, uh, which was going to be a lot easier for them. But um, you know, I I, I um, caught up with Steve Scanlon, who's now my manager. We had a chat, and um, you know, he's obviously very good friends with No Limit, and uh, it all just started to come about. And I was like, oh, gee, like I was uh, blown away by it, but. Um, Especially like the negotiations, it looked like we sort of pretty much had it. Then they said no, and they went in for a purse bid, and it was just I was over the moon to hear that um, we'd won the purse bid, and um, and it was all happening here. So you know, for the first time for a world title fight, I don't have to travel. Obviously, I'm going to travel to Newcastle, but that's an hour away. So it is really a dream come true. I've always thought if I get a title fight here, I'll win it, and. And now it's after happening, so I'm over the moon with all that. And thanks to everyone who's made it happen. There's actually a lot involved too, isn't there? And there's a lot of sanctioning fees and costings and, and splits and purse splits. And there's a lot in a world title fight. It's not just another fight in another week. There's a lot of back-end stuff that's got to happen. So look, I could only imagine yeah. if you're undisputed what that's like with all the sanctioning bodies. But look. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, what do you know about Sam Eggington? Obviously, he is. Uh, he does have a career. He does have the title that you want. He is flying out. But what, what are you seeing him? Well, look, mate. I mean, he's won British. He's won Commonwealth. He's European. And uh, and now uh, world honor, so he's ticked all the boxes. Um, he's tough and uh, he's been durable. Um, he's sort of um, you know, I, I look at his style. I like I see that he he is tough. Tough is I think tough is his main thing. Um, so you know I, I I'll be ready for that. But you know, look, I just look at his style and I think that if I can just execute my style to an absolute T, I just think that I can get the job done. I can pretty much win most rounds nearly all the rounds in my opinion and and uh, I look very very well doing it but um you know he doesn't do anything all all ex- uh, you know extraordinary that I really need to look out for but you know obviously I, I have to try and stop him from dragging me into a war because if I'm able to box like like I believe I will you know he's going to be trying to get me into a war so as much and all as I like getting and digging in every now and again I just have to make sure that it doesn't turn into one of those classic uh, um, you know sort of Mexican standoff fights which he's one fighter of the year last year for doing you know yeah. so. and I think discipline comes a long way here a lot of fighters say that they don't want to and then the corner will be saying don't do it but yet the fighter still on the night goes nah stuff this I'm going punch for punch and then it happens so discipline yeah. can, can win your world mm. title in this fight is that what you're saying possibly yeah that, well that's exactly it yeah yeah like again it's it's in, like it's juicy for a fighter to want to do that, you know, especially when you feel like you're having success. But the longer you stay in there and the longer you do that, the longer those guys probably start to overlap you and come over the top because they they, they love it in the trenches. You know, it's like they lure you in with a few free shots and then they'll start to come over the top. So discipline, like you said, mate, is the key in this fight. How do you go in a 12-rounder? Do you find yourself stronger in the start, halfway, towards the end? Some people like to get dragged into deep waters. Uh, where do you sit with that? For me, it's a constant progression. There's only one fight in my whole career which I haven't got stronger throughout the whole fight. Round by round by round, I started. You know, my strength coach calls me. Uh, I'm like the I'm like the tin man, who just needs a bit of oil. And uh, and the more the fight goes on, the more 
uh, this, this man gets a bit of oil and I just tend to get stronger and I tend to finish very hard. So it's good. It's good that I don't have to travel this time and he travels here because whatever's going on in the first couple of rounds, which I do, I do predict to be winning, it's just gonna. I'm just gonna get stronger and stronger as the, as the fight goes on. So bring me oil can then, and just yeah, I'll be in the front row, give me a quick <laughs> squirt when you are. <laughs> but if I see you season up, just hey, and away we go. Yeah. That'll be good, the Tin Man. That'll be great. Yeah. I've heard you say previously that obviously we mentioned earlier in this podcast that you have had a couple of cracks at world titles. That you think this might be your last opportunity for a world title to get that belt. Is that what you're still feeling? Yeah, look, I mean, if I, if I wanted to keep hanging around, you know, just because uh, apart from Tim, who will be world champion anyway, I've only lost in world title fights, you know, so people, people with records like mine can get those fights quite easily. So I could hang around and wait for it, but at that, at the, at this point, mate, I just I, I don't want to do that. I, I don't want to be hanging around any longer. I've been sort of in this. I'm a pro for 12 years. I'm, I'm a boxer for over 30, you know, and, and I'm at that stage now where I want to, if I want to be successful in another area of my life, uh, it's time to probably move on. So, um, I like I said, I'll give it everything I've got here on this one. And, I, and, if, and if, if I do believe it will be enough. But if it's not, then let's just move on, you know, and, and get on with it. But it's good that I say that too, because I really, I really mean, I really mean that in saying it. And I think it's really brought out the best in me. I'm training like this is my last ever fight, um, and it's getting it's getting the best out of me by far. So and you'd feel like that, wouldn't it? It's all or nothing. That's it. Yeah, yeah. And what a mindset yeah, to be in. <laughs> yeah, that's it. I tell you. Yeah, look, there's a part because I love boxing, and I, 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 I've loved boxing, and I know I'm a couple of months away from boxing, and I start getting the hunger, the hunger, and the itch, and everything. So. You know, it's just one of those things where I really want to do it now and just get it done because it'll be a long time after boxing. So, you know, I'm at this stage where I'm actually doing extra in the gym. I'm doing extra on the heavy bag. Even, like, I'm replicating kind of what I did for Mungia. Got my very best performance. I said, I'm doing that. And there's even some things I'm doing better. So if I don't get that performance again, then I'll be shocked. But, you know, it's um, I, I'm really leaving it all in there. So. Well, it really is one fight I'm looking forward to and obviously seeing you win as well. That's the focus. But have you put any thought into life after boxing? Look, it's there's a couple of things that I like. Uh, I, I know that for me, I got to find a passion. I was a carpenter for ten years, and I didn't love that. And that was sort of, you know, I I was amateur boxing at the time. But being on site all day, I've got that out of my system. I don't want to go back to that. I've said whatever I do, I've got to follow a passion now. And after doing boxing and loving it for, for all this time, I couldn't go back to doing something that I genuinely don't love. So. Which then leads me on to, it'll probably end up in, probably be a coach, probably in boxing. I think that's pretty much inevitable. I don't, I don't plan to be, but I think it's just going to happen regardless. You know, we've got a great gym there in Webstrong, um, in, in, in uh, John Webb's gym there, and we've got the ring, we've got the whole setup, and I just think it will probably lead into it. I think training people will probably be where it's at for me. Yeah, and then obviously the years of contacts and years of sparring partners and years of this and that, that all comes into play and and then you'll be one of the best in the biz. So, yeah, look, there's a few doing it and it'd be great to see you up there, uh, but I'd prefer to see you holding that world title belt in October. (laughs) So that's, uh, yeah, yeah, that's that's, that's the focus. As a coach, I've learned every way to not do it. So I think that's, that's my benefit, you know. I've done it wrong so many times that I think I know how to do it right now at this point in terms of what needs to be done 
training, getting the peak right, not over-training, not under-training, just getting it right. And I think that'll be a big benefit to me after. But like you said, right now it's time to be champion. You know, in my mind, like the way things is after happening these last, this last year and the way this fight's after coming together and Egging coming over here, I just can't see all of that coming together without this, you know, without me winning the belt. I think, I do believe it's destiny at this point. Well, sometimes the script writes itself and that's what's great about boxing. You have had those uh, world title cracks before. And one of those you mentioned earlier being Jaime Munguia. This is someone that I did want to chat to you about today because this was a fight that was just covered in controversy. You flew to Mexico, fought your heart out, did an amazing job, probably the best you've ever fought, but yet still not your day somehow. Can you run us through that? Look, the weirdest thing because the lead up to that fight was good. We got to LA. We had a great vibe in camp. Training went well there. Uh, the sparring went well with Jesse Vargas down in Wildcard Gym. The whole thing was phenomenal. We got to Monterey. We had a great finish off. The day of the fight, even the fight was brilliant. And then it was just that they said the wrong word. It was like they said, I'm still instead of I knew. But then after that, we went back and everybody knew I'd won. And everyone was telling me that and I had felt it too. So it's like, it was like a successful mission. And it felt good. Though. Like it, I really felt like I'd won it. And uh, like it was, and then we were in LA for a few days afterwards. And it was only when I was going back to Ireland with my family that I had to go back and see the rest of my family. Then I went, oh God, like I actually don't have the belt. And I've got to go on another crusade to try and get the belt. And that's when it sort of hit me of what was after occurring. And at that point, there was uproar and the WBO were rescoring it and doing all these types of things. And they came back with a draw. Uh, so in other words, one judge gave it to him, one judge gave it to me, one judge gave it a draw. So it's so close that they couldn't go change it. So they basically, you know, and that's how it was for me. It was kind of like, right, you've been stiff. But it was like, okay, well, let's just, let's get the rematch. And, um, and then it was all go for that, but then it, like, it, it didn't materialise at all. And now I know it was never going to. Mm. So, yeah, look, I mean, apart from the actual decision, the whole thing was brilliant. And even in the fight, like I really felt like I was winning those all those rounds. And uh, I could tell at the start when I was in a 16-plus thousand stadium and you want to hear the roars of people at the very start. And any time I would hit him, it would just go quiet. Any time he would come on strong, uh, it would it would go electric again. But uh, after, as the rounds went past, the place nearly went quiet, and all you could hear was oh, my crew at the very very front. After the fight, then as well, like all the you know everyone in the crowd and people were coming up, and Mangia's mom came and gave my mom a hug after it, and all my crew got a standing ovation. We got a standing ovation from Mangia's crew. It was like it was like as if they were all going, up. we're very sorry for what's happened to you here, you know. So it was just. Which was one of the most bizarre things ever. But again, like I said, it was always about, uh, from that point onwards, I became the guy who got ripped off for a world championship. And I said, I'm going to do everything I can to um, to, to change that around, to, to not be known as that guy forever. And to, to be the guy who that happened to and came back and won a world title regardless. Yeah. And it must be hard knowing that you did win and people think you did win. For you, I guess it's one of those ones where you still, you just want that hardware. You know you won and you just want the bloody hardware. Just give me the strap. Yeah, that, that's, <laughs> that's exactly it. There's only one belt I need because I've got, I've got, a, I've got a North American title. I've got a Celtic Nations title. I've got the Pan Pacific. I've got the Oceana. I have the International WBO. I have all the belts. Uh, uh, Australian title. I just need the world title now. So. 
Yeah, what a what an awesome feeling to go into a fight knowing I just need this. I've been ripped off before. It's not happening. And look, Jeff Fennick, Azuma Nelson, one of the most famous draws in boxing history. And that, like they said, don't leave it to the judges. There's only one way. There's only one way, yeah. and that's uh, <laughs> that's to knock them out. So hopefully we can see that uh, in um, in October as well. And the other one I did want to chat to you about because there is no person poised better to be able to comment on Tim Zhu versus Jamel Charlo in January because you've a fought Tim Zhu and b fought almost a Jamel Charlo by fighting his twin brother, Jamal Charlo. So you've been around the Charlos. You've been in the ring with uh, Tim Zhu. Run us through what he's going to be facing come January, because I know they're kind of guys that like to spit a bit of fire and make it a tough week for you during fight week. Yeah, look, uh, J- uh, Jamal got, got actually quite pissed off at me and it wasn't, wasn't, it wasn't really my fault. We had, uh, we, we got approached by um, like a social media company that was going to so, so so they took over my Instagram my my Twitter my Facebook and um, they started doing all these kind of videos uh, and one of the teams that they had was like me as the lion tamer or, or the lion hunter yeah. and um, and you know they were pumping out these sort of things that I was so some of them were a little bit cringe but like at this point we, we I, I had agreed to do it and you know, they got paid to do it and I didn't have to worry about doing any posts or anything. But Jamal Charlo came on and he got quite angry on it. And then he rocked up um he rocked up with a bit of an attitude um at the press conferences and stuff like that. He he also wore a t shirt to the way in of a of a lion chewing up a leprechaun. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and me and him had a little bit of back and forth at the way in too, just after we weighed in, which kinda of got a little bit aggressive. But it's a funny one because just before the weigh-in, I had met him. I was walking into the into the elevator and he was walking out just before the weigh-in and he secretly gave me a little fist bump. So, you know, I think for him he was thinking, uh, oh, well, I'm publicly after being sort of, you know, uh, slagged off. So I got a, I think it's a bit of a macho attitude. I've got a show now that I'm, you know, and I'm not going to let this happen and whatever else. But secretly fist bumping me in the in the elevator. But that's just the way the guys are. Um, I think that they are quite hectic, really. If you were to be getting very aggressive with them, I think you know they will get quite aggressive back too. Uh, very dangerous sort of men in their own right in terms of in the ring, like Jamal, like uh, like you know when I was fighting him, I could feel his strength and his power, like. I didn't really feel like his uh, his his skill. I didn't feel like he was more skillful than me. Like I, I won the first two rounds, and you know I had won rounds there, and even on the cars and that. But when I hit him and he would hit me, it was me getting damaged, not him. So that was the day. Although I did go the middle way for that one, but you know they they don't waste any energy. Uh, they're very very accurate and they're very very strong. So, um, you know it's uh, when you're in there against them, you can't be. So for me to have the box to try and win the rounds and cannot be getting hurt. I had to put a lot of effort into moving, which essentially slowed me down enough where he could catch me with that final uh, shot in the in the seventh round because my legs were, were, were gone at that stage. Now, everyone knows me. I can bounce around the ring all night, but at that point, he had sort of made me move that much that there was proper fatigue and um and when he caught me, he caught me good. So Yeah, it's an interesting one. And obviously at the Barclays Centre there in Brooklyn. So yeah, it was the big show, the big lead up. They love 
trash talking to sell fights. So you're obviously right in the thick of it. And uh, wow, what a story. So for Tim, do you think it's going to be something where Jamel comes out similar? Because that's what they like to do. Do you think he's going to be up against a media storm from those guys? Uh, yeah, look, look, I mean, look, if you look at the Charlos, they're actually, they're like a couple of guys that are always, if there's anyone fighting in America, they're having words with all the other fighters. They they, they do get stuck in. They, they end up getting involved. You know, if you, uh, over the years, I've seen a couple of different ones, Errol Spence as well. So they just kind of get into it a little bit. So, yeah, I mean, there's that. But uh, it's, it's one of those things as well where I think, uh, you know, Tim getting this guy, because if you look at Charlo, he lost to Harrison uh, on their first fight, but, but won the second. Same with Castano. So I think Tim, if they, like, you know, make sure he wins this first one because uh, Charlo ends up doing a lot better on a second fight, on a rematch fight, you know. So get in and do the business um, uh, at first because maybe he doesn't work it out as quick. But in the second fight, he seems to do a lot better. That's Jamal. Well, hopefully it is done in one. I know Jamel has said in the past he wanted to jump up a weight class, whether or not that happens or not, because he was almost going to vacate the belts at one stage, but he's around for his first title defence uh, with Tim, but there's a lot of money at Undisputed, so if they can hang around there and have those Vegas fights with those belts, that they'll be cashing in. And, and if you'd know the Charlos, you know they hate cash. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they hate jewelry. Yeah, they hate jewelry, hate Lambos yeah. a lot. They are just very modest. Two very modest brothers. Yeah. <laughs> hey, look, we're really excited. That was an amazing couple of stories there. I loved hearing them. So uh, we really appreciate your time, and we really look forward to seeing you hold that strap up uh, in October, Newcastle Entertainment Centre. You've got Nikita. You've got uh, Sam Goodman, Paulo Acuso on the card as well. So they're all in big fights themselves. I'm hopeful all those guys can get the victory. So we'll, we'll see. Oh, look at that. Just uh, I just saw you tip your screen to the left there for those playing at home, and I'm seeing a lot of straps yourself just uh, sitting over there. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah no, oh, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> look at this. Oh, yeah. Don't worry oh, about yeah. Dennis Hogan's house. He flexes. Uh, <laughs> Well, well I actually, that actually wasn't done purposely. I'm actually hiding in the room here because the kids are trying to get at me. But um, <laughs> So we, we took them out and gave them a bit of a polish because uh, I am looking to, to add that last one to it and get, get a bit of a cabinet going. So I took them out to, 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 out of the box to a gathering dust and give them a bit of a clean-up. But yeah, oh, lovely. have all the beds there. We just need one more. That's one it, more. just one more. One more. That's what we're doing. <laughs> October 8th. That's it. That's what we're adding to the collection. Newcastle. That's it. Let's do it. Good stuff. Well, Dennis Hogan, thanks for stopping by the Punch Podcast. It's a pleasure to have you on. It's been awesome hearing some of your stories. And uh, look, I'd love to get into them in detail a little bit further down the track sometime. But look, you've got a job to do. That's another world title. That's uh, another belt. So uh, get that happening and we'll we'll talk to you soon. Thanks for stopping by. It was a pleasure chatting to you, mate. Thank you and all the best. Cheers. Well, there you go. Dennis Hogan on the Punch Podcast. Follow him on Instagram. Dennis Hogan Boxing. You'll see him up there and a whole bunch of sparring photos at the moment. I'm just having a scroll through now. He's definitely working hard and getting ready for this world title fight. And as you saw and heard during this podcast, he is leaving no stone unturned. So we look forward to that. October 8th, Fox Sports KO. Obviously, you can get your tickets and be there as well at Newcastle Entertainment Centre to see that full card. And for all the info, nolimitboxing.com.au. If you got this far and love the episode, please just jump onto Apple, leave a comment, leave a review. It really goes a long way to help the Punch Podcast. And uh, look, there goes Dennis Hogan right here on this very episode today. And a big thanks to him for stopping by. (laughs) 